Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to call in and be part of today's conversation, and there's a lot of conversations to have. We have a few more answers on the deranged lunatic who uh, attempted to go to Justice Brett Kavanaugh's house for an attempted assassination. He had a gun and a knife and burglary tools on his person at the time. But what's more telling even than that and the left-wing violence that inspired this person, uh, the left-wing rhetoric that inspired the left-wing violence that this person was about to commit and the fact that this guy was clearly unhinged given that he wanted to give his life purpose. He actually said that, give his life purpose by committing a political assassination is the fact that when you look at major media outlets... Take the New York Times, for example. Do you know where the story of the attempted assassination on Brett Kavanaugh ended up? Page A20, a little blurb that said said, armed man near Justice's house. That was it. Most media outlets mentioned it and moved on. And you just know that if it was some lunatic wearing a wet red hat that said, make America great again, Nancy Pelosi would be screaming for more funding to put fences all around Washington, D.C., get more Capitol Police and National Guard involved, and possibly secure the border into D.C. since she can't be bothered to do it uh, down in Texas. But I digress. The media and the Democrats are so focused on tonight that they're not going to pay attention to any other issue. We're, We're not even talking about The hearings that happened yesterday, the gun violence hearings, we talked about those very briefly. You would think that given the Democrats' passion for such such a thing, for the gun control measures that they keep calling for, you would think they'd have paid more attention to that. But no, everybody is gearing up for the January 6th committee hearings that will happen tonight during primetime. Big public primetime hearing for all of America to see or ignore, given America's uh, penchant for ignoring the major news networks at this point. The plan, the Democrats and the media's plan is to craft a narrative. They want you to know that the greatest threat to the country right now is not gas prices, is not inflation. It is not the immigration crisis. It's not a job market where there are not enough workers. It's not even COVID-19. It's not even gun violence. The biggest threat to America right now are the January 6th, 2021 insurgents. That's their focus. They want you, they're going to spend a hearing tonight, not getting to the bottom of anything, but crafting a narrative. And that's not just me as a pundit saying that. Via the New York Times, with their control of Congress hanging in the balance, Democrats plan to use made-for-television moments in a carefully choreographed rollout of revelations over the course of six hearings to remind the public of the magnitude of Mr. Trump's efforts to overturn the election and to persuade voters that the coming midterm elections are a chance to hold Republicans accountable for it. It's an uphill battle at a time when polls show the voters' attention focused elsewhere, including on inflation, rising coronavirus cases, and record high gas prices. 
but Democrats argue the hearings will give them a platform for making a broader case about why they deserve to stay in power. That's the New York Times, the biggest supporter of the Democrats in national media. And I know that's a very close race, but it is the New York Times. Every media outlet that will be giving primetime coverage to this is giving an in-kind donation to the Democratic Party. They are openly admitting by hiring the former president of ABC News to help stage this and choreograph this for primetime. They are admitting that this is a campaign ploy, that this is a chance to convince voters to side with them. This is not about actually getting to whatever truth they want to get to. They want to craft the narrative here. The people who took part in the riot at the Capitol are foolish, wannabe patriots. They are live-action role-play enthusiasts. They are not real insurrectionists. They are not real rebels. A lot of them, when you go and look, the lot, the, a lot of the prominent ones don't really have voting records. They don't vote. They weren't up there to save democracy or save America from the evil Democrats who stole an election. They were agents of chaos. They had no chance in hell of ever stopping the certification of the 2020 election. There was never any danger that they would come even close. They deserve to be prosecuted for trespassing on federal property. They deserve to be uh, prosecuted for destruction of federal property when they broke in. And yes, I'm sorry if you disagree with that, but they do deserve to be prosecuted. They did break the law. But we are 17 months away from that. The American public has largely moved on. The American public was horrified by the riot. It, the, the public did not like what they saw that day. But the Democrats have claimed that everything the Republicans have done is a threat to democracy. And much like every time the Democrats say that everything the Republicans do is racist, the voters start to tune them out. They are fighting the battles of 17 months ago because they can't admit that the battles of the present even exist. To do so would be to prove themselves wrong. The Washington Post, in November of 2020, after the election of Joe Biden, wrote this, a dubious meme has emerged online in conservative circles. The price of gasoline will spike because Joe Biden is taking office. The theory is that the president-elect's coming efforts to wean the United States off oil will nail people's pocketbooks. Conservative corners of Facebook are filled with viral photos of gas stations with signs that have prices above $5 a gallon. Just a reminder of what things, will look like the la what things looked like the last time Biden was in the White House, reads one image. But this vastly overstates the president's power to control the cost of a commodity traded on a world market. Although the president's actions, including Biden's climate policies, can nudge the price of oil, the effect is marginal at best, efforts say, or experts say. Here we are in June of 2022, and the national average topped $5. Yeah. So everything that the media and the Democrats and the quote-unquote experts said was an overblown reaction to Joe Biden getting elected, it's come true. 
They can't admit that there are actual problems that are concerning the voters today because they denied those problems were going to happen in the first place. But the Republicans are guilty of somewhat of the same thing. We're going to take a break and I'm going to tell you what that is here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can also join in by reaching out to me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and email Joe at redstate.com. I know that I have friends who work alongside and work for the Louisiana GOP and local local Republican efforts. And so I'm going to upset some of them by what I say here. The Democrats are trying to fight the battles of the past by focusing on January 6th, focusing on Donald Trump, focusing on uh, the MAGA party or whatever uh, Joe Biden wants to call it. They don't want to accept that Americans right now care about gas prices, prices in the grocery store, a, a, a job market that has too few workers and uh, too high inflation costs associated with the businesses that are that make up our job market. There are so many issues concerning voters that are in their immediate path. January 6th was 17 months ago. At the same time, at the end of the month, the state GOP here in Lafayette is going to be holding its Victory 2022 event. And the, the, the big blockbuster headlining uh, person to be there is Dinesh D'Souza. And the state party is playing up 2,000 Mules, the documentary that, they, that the, the state party uh, press release says provides concrete evidence that many votes were cast illegally in the 2020 presidential election. I've gone over that with y'all. A lot of that evidence is called into question. Dinesh D'Souza is a documentary maker who makes his living by making films based on conservative fears. 2,000 Mules is a yet another attempt to relitigate and fight the battles of 2020. The voters care no more about 2,000 Mules than they do January 6th. And I know you want to call in and you want to say, well, I care about this. That's fine, but you have to understand that not just across the state, but across the country, the people who will be making the biggest difference in terms of which way the elections are going do not care. They do not care about 2020. They do not care about January 6, 2021. What they care about are gas prices, grocery store prices, the job market, the border. Abortion, actually, yes, they do care about the abortion issue, and we're seeing that more and more. They're caring about these things that are more in front of them right now than anything that happened 17 to 20 months ago.
the Republican Party of Louisiana is using Dinesh D'Souza's star power to try to energize the base, which I can understand. I do understand that, and I respect the desire to energize the base. But we are an energy-producing state. We are a state that has the potential, just our state alone, to have a positive impact on energy prices, not just here, but across the country. Why are we not playing that up more? Why are we not playing up the fact that we are an energy-producing state? Why are we not trying to pull in industry leaders from that? Why are we not trying to look into getting politicians, not just here, but across the country, who have fought the battles that Americans care about and have won those battles and have beat not just the Democrats, but the media at it? Do you know what would energize the base? Hearing, I don't know, Ron DeSantis come to speak and say, hey, look what we did in Florida. You guys are a southern red state just like us. You can do the same thing. Just make sure that you get out and you vote for your quality Republican leaders. Standing ovation, cheers that would rock the Cajun Dome. What about the pundits who were out there day after day, not doing it for the money, but doing it for the activism? The well-known guys that you could get up on the stage who you know are great speakers who can come and talk about these issues. Why not get them? But instead, you're relying on a former Trump guy, Corey Lewandowski. You're relying on Dinesh D'Souza. Those are your big national speakers for this event. Focusing on the past. Not focusing on the present, not focusing on what's ahead. The Louisiana Republican Party will have no problem electing Republicans in the state. That's just the nature of the state. But the Louisiana Republican Party will not, will not earn the accolades of being a successful, well-run state party until it gets ahead of the curve on some of these issues. Everyone is concerned about gas prices right now. Everyone is concerned about the price of goods in grocery stores. Everyone is concerned, oh gosh, is what's happening in these schools across the country going to happen here? They're concerned for the quality of education for their kids. They're concerned about all these things. 2,000 mules? I'm sorry. Unless you're a hyperactive, hyper-engaged uh, conservative who feels that the 2020 election was stolen. You're not a person's not going to care about 2000 mules. The people who care about 2000 mules already agreed with what it said before they even went into the movie to see it. You don't need the Corey Lewandowski's. You don't need the Dinesh D'Souza's. You need winners you need Republicans who have won elections, won the cultural battles, won the policy battles to come here and tell Louisiana, you can too. And I get that he's the, he's the hot name of the moment. 
But Dinesh D'Souza comes and goes whenever he, and, and it's all dependent on whenever he makes a movie that's touted by the big conservative media groups. But winning Republicans and winning Republican policies stay, they stick around because they want to see the continued success of the Republican Party and that the Republican Party cannot get its act together in the state and push for that rather than focusing on 2020. Despite the fact that it was not an issue here in the state, Republican Party should be focused on what's happening in the state right now, what the state needs to pull itself together. Until the state party can make those changes and find the leadership to innovate and grow in that way, the state's Republican Party is going to struggle to be a relevant state party. Republicans will win in the state no matter what, but is the Republican Party of Louisiana capable of leading the state's Republicans? That's the question they need to figure out. Let's take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, more bad signs for the Democrats. I want to talk about one, one particular county in Iowa that's proof that it might be happening here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Just how much trouble are the Democrats in right now? So um, Harry Enton, who works, uh, he's, in, he's an analyst with CNN, also has done a lot of polling analysis for 538 and, and a couple other places, uh, was on CNN over the weekend, uh, or, or maybe early this week, Jake Tapper asked, uh, is it a, you know, this looks like it's going to be a good year for Republicans. And Inton pointed out that if you look back at midterms going all the way back to the early 1900s, I think, you'll find that Republicans at this point in the election cycle the generic Republican being up two points on average is the best Republicans have ever seen in polling. Republicans are poised to have a very, very, very good November, no matter what happens at the January 6th hearings. But there's some other evidence that comes in, and I want to I read a, a pretty lengthy bit from a piece that appeared in The Atlantic, I think it was yesterday or the day, on oh, June 7th. June 7th, so two days ago. Dubuque, Iowa. Megan Simpson was three years old when her family strapped her in a stroller and took her door knocking for the first time. She was in elementary school when she began stuffing mailers to for get-out-the-vote effort campaigns. Every election day during the 90s and 2000s, Megan and her five brothers and sisters stayed home from school as the house was transformed into a staging area for the precinct. Her parents would blast Bachman Turner Overdrive's Taking Care of Business, a fantastic song, by the way. And their living room would fill up with volunteers and stacks of walk packets. In Dubuque County, full of Irish and German Catholics and dotted with manufacturing plants, Democrats outnumbered Republicans by the thousands. These were blue-collar people, most of them white, who voted for politicians allied, uh, allied with unions. The county hadn't backed a Republican presidential candidate since Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1956. It was the seat of Democratic politics in Northeast Iowa, maybe the strongest concentration of Democrats in the entire state, and the Simpsons were its first family. They had a passion for politics and a family history of state and local political involvement that stretched back decades. The Klan was a political machine, Greg Simpson, Megan's father, told the writer. Led by their parents, or sometimes alone, the kids would trek around town showing up on people's porches to talk about health care and register them to vote. 
They marched and toddled in parades for Iowa candidates such as Tom Harkin, Tom Vilsack, and their own aunt and uncle, the well-known state lawmakers Pam and Tom Jochum. Whoever the Simpsons were working for was who people in town wanted to be behind, said Kelly Simpson, Megan's mother. John Kerry doted on Megan's little sister, Maddie Simpson, letting her ride along in his Northeast Iowa bus tour in 2004. A few years later, Michelle Obama told a group of supporters that she hoped Sasha and, Mo and uh, Molly would turn out as well as the Simpson girls. In 2007, Megan was an organizer on Barack Obama's Iowa caucus campaign. She spent her days driving through town and out in the country's rural areas trying to persuade thousands of white people to elect the country's first black president. When, the, when Obama won the caucuses and later swept the county and the state, the Simpson family was thrilled. But they weren't surprised. Butte County always chose Democrats. That was true until 2016. On the evening of November 8th, Megan and her siblings gathered at Happy's Place, the local Democratic bar, to watch the results roll in. When they realized what was about to happen, Megan's sisters began to cry. At home, Greg poured himself a glass of bourbon. By morning, Donald Trump had become the first Republican presidential nominee to win Dubuque County in Greg's lifetime. Trump had beaten Hillary Clinton by roughly one percentage point in the county, but the swing away from the Democrats was enormous. Obama had won by 15 points just four years before. Dubuque was one of the 206 U.S. counties that pivoted hard and fast from Obama to Trump, and one of 31 in Iowa. At Happy's, Kelly was sick to her stomach. I felt like I had lost a connection with Dubuque. She told, me, she told the writer, I felt like, who are the people living in this town? Four years later, Trump won Dubuque County again, this time by three points, even as he lost the election to Joe Biden. The Simpson family faced a devastating reality. A Democrat was headed to the White House, but a Republican had won their home turf by an even bigger margin than before. After 60 years, voters in Dubuque County seemed finished with Democrats. Nationwide, the trends are the same. Working-class voters without a college education are voting more in line with Republicans, while Democrats make inroads among more educated voters. The political winds that used to propel the Simpsons forward in each election were now blowing hard against them. This comes at the same time that more and more data is coming out showing that the Democrats, like the, like the end of that... Uh, reading I just gave you, the Democrats are, are losing the working class. Keep in mind the description of, of Dubuque County from that story. Largely a working class county. They voted for people mostly allied with the unions. In 2016, the exit polling, so there's, there's a couple different sets of exit polls you should be aware of. The first is the exit polling that comes out early on in the day. That exit polling is always worthless. It means nothing. The exit polling that is released later in the day is better. The really good exit polling is the stuff that's embargoed in the green rooms of the television networks right before panelists go on to, to talk about what the exit polls say. Ben Dominich, who... Uh, was the founder of The Federalist, has a newsletter called The Transom, which I highly recommend um, subscribing to. He frequently appears, I think he's, I think he's, uh, I think he appears on CBS News right now. I think that's where he's got a contract. 
Uh, but he is also uh, the husband of Meghan McCain, John McCain's daughter. Dominic was in one of those green rooms 2016 on election night. And he noted, and I, he, he told me this story uh, privately a little later on, um, that one of the things the exit polls showed was a split in union households. This was before Donald Trump was declared the winner in 2016. The exit polling showed that union households were split. And nobody else in the green room really picked up on it, but Ben did. And Ben looked around the green room and said, are y'all seeing this? Because if this is true, Donald Trump just won. And that was indeed the case. Consider the union households in places Trump needed to win, like Wisconsin, like Pennsylvania, cross that rust belt. What had happened in the, in the Obama years? Factory jobs were lost. Factories were shut down over environmental concerns. Domestic energy production like pipe, uh, and that affected workers like pipeline workers, coal miners, those types of blue-collar workers, they lost their jobs. And Hillary Clinton promised more of the same. So the working class shifted to the Republicans. They shifted to Donald Trump, who talked like them. Even though he was a rich guy, he talked to them and he talked like them. And he had a deep compassion in his speeches for the working class, for blue-collar workers. And blue-collar workers started to split toward Donald Trump. Dubuque County, Iowa, in this Atlantic story I read, much the same way. If you look at the numbers from Glenn Youngkin's campaign in 2021 in Virginia, when he's up, when he surprised everyone and upset Terry McAuliffe for Virginia governor, Youngkin did worse than Trump with white college-educated women in Virginia. He won non-college white women by uh, a 50-point margin. It's not a gender, and it's not a race issue. It's a class issue. The Democratic Party is increasingly the party of the rich, highly educated, postgraduate degreed left. Adults who have college education and then some are the ones who are taking over the party. And they are more and more and more out of touch. I told you guys the other day, the uh, I think it's a senator who said, well, I, I drove by five gas stations with my electric car, didn't have to worry about gas prices at all. The average cost of an electric vehicle in the United States is $56,000. What family, especially right now, is going to be able to afford that? Not many. Certainly not the blue-collar working-class folks. Well, for one thing, they don't really make good, uh, good trucks as electric vehicles. But also, but also, they're priced out of it. The upper class, the highly educated, that's the, par that's the Democratic Party right now. The Democrats have long thought that demography is destiny, that if they could just win the demographic battles that they would have a permanent political majority. And guess what? Hispanic voters are now breaking to the Republican Party. While, yes, the college educated are swinging toward the Democrats, the non-college educated, the blue-collar, the working class, Hispanic voters, they're all shifting over to the Republican Party. Black voters are staying home because the party they've supported for so long does not support them, is not helping them. 
Donald Trump increased his measures of the black vote from 2016 to 2020. He, he increased his share of that vote. The Democrats are losing the demographic battle they thought would keep them permanently in power. The winds are shifting. Now, the political process is a pendulum, but the political winds are shifting. And the Democrats are going to suffer in November because of it. But by all means, please watch their primetime performance art tonight on every major network except for Fox News' primary network. Because they want to craft a beautiful narrative that tells you all about how evil insurrectionists are a threat to democracy, despite the fact they haven't done anything in 17 months, and despite the fact that the Democrats have been in power this whole time and everything's gotten worse. You know what? Let's go ahead and take our break. 232-1542. When we come back, state police under federal investigation here in Louisiana will have that and more on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to join in the conversation. All right. Before I move on to the state police thing, can I just can I I I have to say this. I didn't really have a dog in the fight where the NBA finals were concerned. But uh, Boston fans at TD Garden were chanting F you Draymond uh, throughout game three last night. Uh, Draymond Green, uh, the the coach, Steve Kerr, and Clay Thompson all were reached out for, uh, re- reached for comment on it. Uh, Draymond had the right reaction. They're just talking. Not really my job to react to them. They did what I expected. Uh, but uh, let's see. Clay Thompson said, we've played in front of rude fans before, dropping F-bombs with children in the crowd. Really classy. Good job, Boston. Have you ever been to Boston before? Classy's not what I would say. I mean, the, Boston's lack of class is why the American Revolution was fought in the first place. Let's be honest here. But, but Coach Steve Kerr uh, said classy, very classy, in response to Boston's fans. And that marks Coach Steve Kerr of, uh, of the Warriors. That marks the time that he was harsher on rude Boston fans than he was on Chinese, on Chinese genocide of the Uyghurs. If you remember that controversy, when the co-owner said, nobody cares about the, the, the treatment of ethnic minorities by the Chinese. And, the, and, and Steve Kerr was asked about it, and he just kind of dodged around the question or whatever. He's harsher on Boston fans than he is on genocide. Just remember that, and that's why I'm going to be going for the Celtics uh, for the remainder of the finals. Again, 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. Now, before we go, because it is the last segment of the day, unfortunately, uh, via the Associated Press, the U.S. Justice Department is opening a pattern or practice investigation into the Louisiana State Police amid mounting evidence that the agency has looked the other way in the face of beatings of mostly black men, including the deadly 2019 arrest of Ronald Green. This is up at kpel965.com, by the way. It was at the top of the screen if you want to uh, go check out this story. The federal action, which officials familiar with the matter told the Associated Press will be announced today, comes more than three years after white troopers were captured on long-withheld body camera video beating stunning and dragging green on a rural roadside near Monroe. Despite lengthy ongoing federal and state investigations into a death that troopers initially blamed on a car crash, no one has yet been charged. This is also, by the way, coming again at the same time that John Bell Edwards will be going before a House panel that is looking into Ronald Green's death and the subsequent state police cover-up. 
John Bill Edwards will be walking into a committee hearing with two lawyers in tow and will say nothing. But this is pretty significant. This is going to be a pretty big test of systemic racism alleged in Louisiana State Police. And again, we're not here to paint all of Louisiana State Police with a broad brush. That's not what we're trying to do here. But we do have several instances now of a bad cop or a couple of bad cops, a couple bad troopers who are performing really bad actions. And now the U.S. Justice Department is getting involved for civil rights concerns. And there's some worry that this will cause some sort of fundamental uh, fundamental change in Louisiana State Police. Over at the Hayride, Scott McKay is issuing a warning that Louisiana is about to become unlivable because of it. The wheel of events that was set into motion this morning when the Civil Rights Division of the Biden Justice Department showed up in Baton Rouge to announce they're opening an investigation and into patterns and practices of Louisiana State Police is going to turn very rapidly. And that wheel is moving in a direction not hard to ascertain. We haven't changed our position on the Ronald Green case, McKay says of the Hayride. We are horrified about that case and Louisiana State Police's actions in beating that man to death on a roadside in May. But uh, the feds are opening a pattern and practice investigation, and maybe they should. But if you think this is going to be done on the up and up, if you think these people haven't already predetermined an outcome in this case, you are absolutely kidding yourself. This is how John Bell Edwards gets himself off the hook for the Ronald Green killing. Remember the consent decree then New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landry signed with Eric Holder's Justice Department, which completely gutted the New Orleans Police Department and made it thoroughly ineffective to fight crime in the city? Get ready because Edwards is going to do the exact same thing with Louisiana State Police before he leaves office in January of 2024. That is a concern that that conservatives have in the state of Louisiana. Because as you recall, that that consent decree did come in and New Orleans uh, Police Department has not been the same since. Kevin Boyd at the Hayride today writes how basically unlivable New Orleans is right now. Progressive leadership and a gutted police department have made it virtually impossible. Across the country, you're seeing this. The soft on crime policies of the progressive movement have rendered law enforcement pretty much impotent in several progressive areas. And New Orleans is one of them. And if the Justice Department civil rights decision uh, decision does or a division comes up, comes to decisions kind of like it. You could very well see the same thing among Louisiana State Police. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping for the sake of Louisiana not. But you have to understand this is a concern because a very woke Department of Justice coming in and essentially gutting Louisiana State State Police will make things a whole lot tougher on everybody. We should continue to seek justice in the case of Ronald Green's death, and we should find out what John Bell Edwards knew and what he didn't know. And that'll do it for today. We'll be back in 23 hours here on the Joe Cunningham show. In the meantime, Twitter at Joe P Cunningham, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham show. Email me Joe at redstate.com. And in the meantime, you can check out the podcast version of the show on Apple, Spotify, please subscribe, rate and review there. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow here on the Joe Cunningham show. News talk, KPL 965.